Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Leon sweeps the Twitch 300. Now, to have two victories over the course of one weekend is very special. Roland says the Red Bull deal will allow his team to update their kit. Of course it costs you some money, but, you know, this is the beginning, again, I hope, of a long-term partnership. And we find out about social media and V8 supercar drivers. It's a waste of time having your own page if someone else is telling you what to say. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Craig Lowndes has closed the gap on the championship leader, Jamie Wincup, but he's still talking down his championship chances. Well, we are. I think that, uh, you know, every weekend it's, it's uh, disappearing pretty quick. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, our first half of the season probably wasn't as good as we'd like or consistent as much as we needed to be. We had a, obviously a problem with, uh, you know, Tasmania. And uh, down at Simmons there we had a DNF, which really hurt us. And that's something that we've been trying to fight back from. Mark Winterbottom was able to split the Triple Eight Commodores on both days, which gives him great confidence heading to Sydney. Well, I think, um, you know, the, the last couple of rounds, you know, the Triple Eight guys have beaten, both of them have beaten us, but uh, it's, you know, we've come here and split them. So I think for us, that's, that's a big result. Um, you know, they're, they're on top of the game and, uh, you know, I think at their home track, you, you, you probably think they're going to be strongest there. But, uh, um, yeah, I think it was a good weekend for us to split them, split the two guys both days. Um, you know, Craig definitely had the pace. He was good enough to uh, to win both days. But um, the gap we had to Jamie was really encouraging for us. So, uh, yeah, the, the points are so close. There's um, not much in it. And to come away with gaining points, not losing, was a, was a good weekend. FBR's sponsorship dramas continue with Orcon announcing this week that they won't be staying on with the team as major naming right partner of Frosty Winterbottom's number five car. Orcon will stay as a support sponsor to the team, so now the FBR squad have to look for two naming right backers as the announcement of trading post leaving Will Davison at the end of this season. Jamie Winkup was resolved to only be the third best car last weekend and his performances over the weekend still gave him good points. I was pretty happy with my car. I didn't really have any major complaints. Um, so these guys were, were really, really hooked up. So I think we maximised. Um, car was good on hards. Uh, yeah, just after that last safety car, I, I, there's no way I was going to beat these two. So I was uh, just looking at third and making sure that uh, I was guaranteed third. Jamie Wincup talking about safety cars there, but uh, 
Roland Dane, his boss, and also Frosty Winterbottom, didn't remember a safety car in Sunday's race. I'm trying to just think if there was a safety car in that race. I don't remember a safety car happening. Oh, sorry, pitched up. I'm confused. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Might have just swigged a whole bottle of champagne. And what just, <laughs> what's happened? Um, I think this is w- <laughs> I don't know what they've got to do. They've probably got to work harder. But the, uh, the, the, it was emphasised here today by lack of safety car in that race, despite what Jamie thought. There's no safety cars in it. Jack Villeneuve has not ruled out 2013 in the main game as a full-time driver. Uh, yes, it would be. Um, I don't know if there's any possibility, but if, if, if there was to be one, then I would look at it very seriously. Uh, you know, Australia is, is special. It'd be a nice place to, uh, to, uh, to end up. He had a much better race 16 on the Saturday, with Villeneuve saying it was good to be mixing it up with other cars on the track. Yes, uh, you know, Townsville was tough, but mad fun. So uh, I, I thought uh, I should get another crack at it and be better prepared, and uh, it worked out a, a lot better than Townsville. So uh, you know, I'm still running at the back, but at least I'm, I was in, in a fighting position and not just on my own, so that, that made a big difference. Unfortunately, in race 17, he was punted on lap one, which saw him circulating around by himself once again. Roland Dane has told the V8 Insiders that he's proud of his team's effort in getting the car of the future onto the track at the date and time he had specified. Oh, I'm very pleased with what the boys have done. I set them the target at the beginning of the year when we knew the, the schedule from V8 Supercars of uh, you know, when they originally wanted the teams to be, to be ready. And, um, so, and we said that we wanted to be running by the beginning of August and the 1st of August we ran the car last week, so... I'm very pleased with the effort everyone at my place has put in. Dane has a busy period ahead, getting set to rebadge his team to Red Bull Racing in 2013. We asked Roland, how much does it cost to rebrand a team? Uh, as long as a piece of string, it depends. Uh, some of it comes down to what you want to do, and you use it as an opportunity then to uh, um, to replace some of your infrastructure, probably as well as just rebranding. So, yeah, there's a. Of course, it costs you some money. Um, but uh, uh, but you know this is the beginning again. I hope of a of a long term partnership like we've had with Vodafone. We've had a, a fantastic six years with them and everything. And it's uh, uh, I, I hope with Red Bull we'll have a, a long term relationship that'll make uh, yeah any any costs like that at the beginning of the, of the thing. Um, of the beginning of the period really inconsequential. In the Dunlop series Chad Mozart has completed a great round at Queensland Raceway unfortunately for Mozart he won the round but didn't score the most points across the weekend. You know it just didn't uh, go the way today but um, yeah I was just creeping through the field and a couple of guys you know thought I, was, I thought they were just going to let me go and, and one of them shut the door and that was you know 25 and then you know another little mishap in the turn one and and that's another 25, so unfortunately that's the way it is. And, um, you know, we've still got three rounds to go, a long time to go. And there's a big gap there, but, um, you know, form showed in this race three that we're more than capable of winning races, and, and the guys are giving me a brilliant car. So hopefully I can do the job for them and, and get this team right back up the top again. But um, like we started the year at Clipsal, which was just a dream start. But um, it's all right, every, every roller coaster has got its ups and downs. Scott McLaughlin was very confident that he can keep his championship hunt as they next stop his Bathurst. It's, it's good points for us, and we, we finished every race from here on in, so from here. So, uh, hey, 
see what we can do in Bathurst in the next few rounds. And Scott Pye was happy with the way he's going in this 2012 season. At the end of the day, to do a good job, and, and it is a place I've driven at before, so it was going to be a good result. But uh, in saying that, we've, we've shown that we can be quick elsewhere as well. Barbie, uh, Bathurst, sorry. I think it's just going to be another circuit that I'll love. And finally, on this week's White Flag Lap, we find out about what social media is doing to the minds of the V8 supercar drivers. But yeah, I mean, obviously the footballs, the footballs are very heavily scrutinised, you know. And uh, some of the stuff that we put on sometimes probably goes under the radar a little bit. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Mark Fogarty and Peter Norton join me on the V8 Insiders Roundtable. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the editor-at-large of Auto Action, Mark Fogarty. Good evening, Mark. Hey there. How are you doing? Very well. And from Inside Motorsport, it's Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, gentlemen. Guys, it's an interesting weekend at Queensland Raceway. I think most of the people who are watching it would think not, Peter. Um, it was rather routine, wasn't it? Uh, it's a circuit that a lot of people say is a little bit too routine in its layout, but most years you can find something interesting to talk about. Um, and during the weekend, uh, I found myself um, searching for something of interest. Uh, there was even one of the uh, practice sessions I went down to Turn 1 uh, to just see how the cars were handling one particular bump uh, in, in the turn-in because uh, that's how precise you had to go searching to find something interesting out of the weekend's racing. Mm. Folks, was that your opinion as well? Very processional, but I'm not sure why we're all so shocked. You know, Queensland Raceway really doesn't have anything to recommend itself. As far as the V8s go, the, the racing is never riveting. Um, you know, this was all Craig Lowndes' weekend, and uh, there was very little interest once he got to the front. The facilities are ordinary, and the crowd was once again disappointing. You know, 16,000 on Sunday and, what, 40-odd for three days. Very poor. The circuit never seems to... Well, that race at that circuit, that event at that circuit, doesn't seem to have recovered from... A few years back when there was doubt about whether it was going ahead or not, and uh, even though there was a new grandstand, well, temporary grandstand put in uh, at the beginning of the main straight, um, it's not attracting the punters, so uh, I think we can do better. Is it a case, though, it needs to go back not to a 500, but perhaps to a 300 all on one day? 
and just make it a special one-off race rather than trying to drag it out. Vet Supercars are promoting it. It'd be cheaper for them to have a two-day event than a three-day event and, uh, and it possibly would differentiate itself enough to uh, make it interesting. I'm sure they'd like to push it in that direction. The next event at Sydney Motorsport Park is a two-day event and that'll be a, an interesting test and it is a test format even though it was forced upon V8 supercars by the teams kicking up about an unbudgeted race in their calendar. Um, but I'm not sure what's going to save the event at Queensland Raceway. Um, you know, just overall, the venue and often the racing just lacks appeal. So making it a 300-kilometre race or a 500, I mean, you're just prolonging the agony, aren't you, really? <laughs> One thing that did happen was that the haves and the have-nots got even wider apart. And, folks, FPR and Triple Eight now seem to be so far ahead of everyone else that, uh, well, the others could probably not turn up and you wouldn't notice. Well, not quite, but almost. I know what you mean. But Triple Eight and Ford Performance Racing, finally, um, they're where they should be. Um, the missing team, of course, is, of course, is Holden Racing Team, and uh, well, that mob's just about hit rock bottom. Uh, you know, their their results on the weekend were unacceptable, and questions need to be asked. You know, we were belting Ford Performance Racing over the head for years because uh, of their serial underachievement. Well, um, the last two seasons, uh, at least, and you could really stretch it back a lot further, um, Holden Racing Team has just not been the HRT of the past, and um, a big, big shake-up needs to go on there. A lot of soul-searching at the very least. One good thing, though, Peter, was Ingle finally turned the corner, and some might say that it's because he's done a million laps of that track, but he's old enough to have done a million laps at just about every track. Uh, that's right. He's got plenty of experience everywhere. Um, yeah, the question I've got is where did that speed come from? Uh, clearly there is some potential in those cars, so why are they getting it so wrong on the ones that uh, are painted red? Uh, yeah, it, it, it beggars belief. What's going on there? Can you spell aberration? <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps it's the case that EP is working on Ingalls' car and he's not working on the other two. Uh, uh, possibly. Mm. Um, it does seem unlikely that the light bulb has gone off in that part of the garage and not the rest of it. And if it had, that they hadn't... Um, taken a similar path with the uh, HRT cars um, you know, Russell is a good racer he always performs well in races, this time he was able to lift himself up into the uh, top 10 in qualifying and, and that helped a lot and um, I think his experience and familiarity and his comfort, comfort factor at Queensland Raceway were a big contribution but um, it would be nice to think that they found something and unlocked it from a Walkinshaw car that will help overall, but it, it certainly didn't help the other side of the garage. No, it didn't. It. And another team that we're missing is another team that Queensland Raceway is their home track, and that was Stone Brothers Racing, Peter. Uh, it, you'd almost call it a disastrous weekend for Stone Brothers, who just didn't feature in any part of the weekend. We were missing in action in, in most of the, the timesheets in, in, in most respects. What really has struck me this year in that team is the, the inconsistency and, and almost unreliability that's crept into uh, uh, some of their cars. 
and, and that's not normally their, their way of doing things. So uh, it's got a head scratching a bit. And, and for the Stone Brothers and Holden Racing team, is it car of the future that is the big distraction for them? Uh, have they given up? I don't know what the answer is. Mm. Vogues, you've got any light on that? Stone Brothers won't have given up, but um, I might suggest that they are indeed very distracted. I mean, the talk of the V8 pit lane and paddock all weekend was the uh, frenzied speculation about who is going to be running the fourth manufacturer that Tony Cochran assures us is coming in any moment now. And um, all that speculation is centred on SBR defecting from Ford and linking up with this new manufacturer. And the current hot rumour, again, is some sort of link with Mercedes-Benz or AMG, but, um, you know, trying to find any credible evidence of that. Good luck. <laughs> That's all I was doing all weekend and uh, didn't get very far. There's something up at SVR. Um, they've been told what Ford is offering them for um, next year, and it ain't very much, and it's certainly nowhere near what they've been getting the last few years as a, an official factory-backed team. Um, Ford delivered the bad news to both Stone Brothers Racing and Dick Johnson Racing, who aren't getting very much anyway, uh, on Monday. Um, so the fact that SBR would be thinking of moving, preparing to move, again to move to another manufacturer, particularly someone that was offering big dollars, would not be a surprise. But as I say, my gut feeling is that there's definitely something up at SBR. Um, too much chatter. Um, too much speculation to suggest otherwise. But mm. whether it's Mercedes-Benz or AMG or anything like that, I very much doubt it. But um, there's something up at Yadala. Yep, and certainly that's what I was hearing as well, Peter, but it just doesn't make sense. They don't sell enough cars, AMG, to justify any sort of investment. Well, we'd love for one of the prestige brands to, to get on to onto the V8 supercar uh, bandwagon. It would really lift the, uh, the credibility of the series. It would do a, a whole lot for, for a lot of things. Um, but uh, we know that Chrysler looked at V8 supercars and they reached the conclusion that they simply didn't sell enough units in Australia to justify the cost. And I think that similar logic you'd have to apply to some of the other uh, other brands that only do small numbers. And uh, you know, AMG, would, would, you would expect to fall into that category. Um, yeah, I would love to see Mercedes on our tracks, uh, but it just doesn't quite seem to make sense, does it? Mm. And of course, not at all. Not going to happen. Yeah. And of course, how certainly many... not officially. You know, mm. some weird deal may have been done to backdoor it all, but. Even that, I, I suspect it's wishful thinking. I'm not even that convinced that having a Mercedes or an Audi or a BMW or a Lexus, for that matter, in the series is going to add to the prestige. I actually suspect that it's better having like makes against like makes. So, you know, mass market cars, Holden, Ford, Nissan, perhaps Hyundai um, makes of that ilk is, is, um, is more appropriate. Um, certainly Mercedes or BMW or Audi coming in, the expectation would be immediately on them to win just because of where they sit, you know, in the pecking order. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I was hearing it, I wasn't believing it, and I'm still not convinced, but, you know, I've been wrong before. Rarely, but I have been. <laughs> I guess what people would be hoping for is that if AMG come in even with a, a half effort, well, that would get Audi thinking... 
well, crikey, we have to be in there too to just cover off our bases and make sure that, uh, that our competitors don't get a, a free kick in a marketing sense. And, and then uh, BMW jump in as well. That, that weight of momentum is what people would love to see. And then you end up with the WRC where they stay two years, realise it didn't sell one more car, so let's get our asses out of here. It, <laughs> there's another basket case. Oh, am I being too harsh when I talk about Dick Johnson Racing in that light, folks? But they have really got to stop the rot. And, and uh, if they're not getting any funding from Ford and they're not getting, uh, well, the, the rumours are that their sponsors are moving on in droves next year. It's going to be hard to see how they can stop this uh, slide in performance. Indeed, the future, well, at the moment, is looking very bleak because you know they're getting virtually nothing from Ford now, so they're going to be getting less than nothing in financial terms. Um, Jim Beam's sponsorship is up for renewal, so that's no given. And given the results, it might be a hard sell. Um, question mark over Norton and question mark well they've got to find a wreck a racing entitlement contract to replace the one that Charlie Schwerkolt is taking back Schwerkolt is taking back to run his own car as a customer operation at FPR um, and question mark over whether Paul Morris is going to keep his wreck there so you know Dick Johnson Racing clearly well they've been through the wars and they recovered remarkably last year but um management turnover, Malcolm Swettenham there, team manager, team boss, whatever you like. Um, he, him lo- leaving under a cloud earlier this year has, has um, rattled the place. You know, and let's face it, clearly they took on too much anyway, trying to run four cars. You know, I th- would have thought they had enough on their hands with two cars, but trying to run four, goodness me. Mm. Well, Peter, the only thing you can safely say is they're definitely going to have two because you can't see Fiori pulling out from 2013 at this stage, can you? That's right. Uh, I think the, I think their business model was uh, uh, optimistic, but the, the right one to, to run cars yourself, but also have the customer base there. It spread the risk of uh, being beholden to just to, to one sponsor. Um, but they took on too much in an organisational uh, capacity, so it seems um, that uh, jumping up to have that workload of four cars uh, clearly impacted their results on the track. And unfortunately, your customers and your sponsors uh, that you're so desperate to retain uh, are driven by performance. If, if, if they can't get the results, then uh, you end up with a, a large infrastructure but no customers. Um, yeah, let's hope they can uh, pull something out of this. But, yeah, it does look like uh, uh, their growth plans uh, have, uh, are going to hit a bit of a brick wall in some respects. Mm. The economic model may, may make sense, but if it doesn't work, if you don't have the resources to pull it off, well, you know, it's of no value. Hmm. Dick Johnson is a survivor. He'll still be there next year, but um, it might be a rather skinnier operation. Hey, look, um, <laughs> the discussion's all been a bit negative so far. Um, I mean, we should be celebrating the fact that uh, Craig Lowndes is well and truly now in the thick of the championship hunt, and that really livens things up. It's gone from, you know, a three-way fight to a four-way fight, really, and Craig on the, on the weekend was supreme, I thought. He did a fantastic job. We'll talk about more about that 
when we return on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Fogues from Auto Action and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport. And the age. Oh, I, I didn't want to and say it in case... Morning Herald. Didn't want to say that just in case things had changed, but uh, no, no, no. SMH and Lord's the age. Fairfax Media. Oh, okay. Well, uh, gee, still working at Fairfax. See, that, that was why I really didn't want to say anything. It's been troubled times for some of the journos there. Troubled times for newspapers everywhere. Nothing, mm. nothing new there, Craig. Peter Norton also. Guys, uh, Lounsey. It was 12 months ago to the race meeting that he uh, bounced back. He had uh, some tough news delivered on the Monday afterwards. And you have to think, the cynic of me said that news was delivered after a race win, uh, more so than anything else. But uh, since then, he's been back on his game and, and notching up a very, very creditable championship this year, Peter. Um, absolutely. And what I took away from the race meeting was that... Um uh, Lowndes wasn't just nearly at Win Cup's level or equal to Win Cup. He was consistently, comfortably in front of Win Cup uh, in most respects across the weekend. And so that's a, a bit of a turnaround compared to the last couple of years, isn't it? Mm. Of course, uh, folks, have you put anything down? You're the, you're the biographer of this man. Have you put anything down that you've seen the change? Not the biographer, the co-author. Co-author, sorry. Hasn't done his autobiography yet. All right. <laughs> um, I'm intrigued. What happened a year ago, the day after after he he clean swept Queensland Raceway last year? There was an announcement about his personal status. Oh, you separated from that, yes. Mm. Quite. Um, well, that could be a factor. Hard to put your finger on that, but I know where you're going with that one. Um, yeah, he, um, he certainly comes on strong traditionally in the second half of the season and he ignited his championship challenge uh, 12 months ago at Queensland Raceway and it looks like he's doing it again. Um, He likes the events that are to come, the venues and the events and for some reason it's, you know, if you look back over the years, it's it's not something new Um, he's traditionally very strong at at the end um, he's been, although the points don't reflect it, you know, he's uh, last year and certainly this year been a bit more consistent at the front end of the championship and, and that's why he's you know in contention um, well within that 300 point range that he says that by the time you get through the Enduros you um, that that will give him a chance if he's still within 300 points and I think you know by the look of it he'll, he's going to be a lot closer um, and yeah he's just I don't know in his old age you know 38 he's um, getting uh, well not losing confidence and he's more than the match from anyone out there. It's um, quite inspiring for those of us who are, well, how should we describe it, venerable? Mm. Of course, he's in the team that is certainly the benchmark for V8 Supercars, as they have been for some time. 
And to highlight the point of just where the team is at, on Monday, the car, their car of the future, and I have to state it's their car of the future, not the car of the future, uh, has been doing some testing. I went up and down pit lane on Sunday night and couldn't find anyone concerned, folks. I would be concerned if I was building cars of the future because everything Roland's doing, and if it's working, don't they just go? Aren't they just going to rubber stamp that and say, "Yeah, we'll stick with that," and then you're even further behind the eight ball? Triple Eight has been deeply and intimately involved in the design and the concept of Car of the Future right from the beginning. Anyway, their technical director Ludo Lacroix, you know, has um, had a lot of input into the the basic framework of the design. So they're always going to have a head start anyway. And um, the simple fact that they've got their car running well before anyone else um, is just reinforcement of the fact that they are the best organised team in the business and they're getting the rewards for that. The other teams, I think, FPR and HRT are looking to run their car of the future, their first cars of the future at uh, Winton, excuse me, early next month. And then there's going to be a big test day involving, I believe, Triple Eight, FPR, HRT, SBR and some others at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, the venue formerly known as Eastern Creek Raceway, on October the 15th. So Triple Eight have got a running start, but the others, you know, they're not far behind. Mm, Peter, your thoughts? Um, I, I think it's uh, uh, you know, fascinating that someone is a, a key designer, a supplier of many components, but also a competitor. Uh, the Triple Eight wear many hats, and uh, I mean it's not something that you can dismantle uh, because it's, it's, it's now part of the fabric of the sport. But uh, you know, longer term, you have to think about the. Uh, how desirable that is in terms of having uh, you know, parity across the field and uh, a good mix of people that are winning races. Mm. G. are you suggesting there might be some conflicts of interest in V8 supercar racing? Surely not. Oh, sh- surely not. <laughs> no, perish the thought. Okay, but the car of the future, the drop in sponsorship, is going to take its toll on the bank balances of our rec holders. Next year... Is it going to be more apparent than it has been in the last seven or eight years that a bank account is going to get you a drive ahead of skill? Because there are a lot of drivers in that Dunlop series that are knocking on the door. Yeah, but I don't see many of those doors opening, Craig. Mm. Really, even with bags of gold. Um, Some of those development series drivers really they've been inconsistent and I'm not sure anyone's done enough at the moment um, you know to mount a powerful argument that they should be mussing their way into the main game I mean there's been a grand assumption all along that Nick Perkett um, is just sitting there waiting to take over from Russell Ingall in the super cheap autos backed Walkinshaw car next year not sure if his performances would uh, warrant that he hasn't been um, well. He hasn't been running away with it, to say the least. And whether that's the car or what, I don't know. But there it is. At least um, he won't have to race against Paul Morris if he gets back to the main. If he gets into the main game, and that might help him. Well, 
isn't there? But, I mean, the others have been up and down, particularly recently, but, you know, normal order seemed to have been restored at Queensland Raceway, as far as I could see, in that um, Chas Mostert was back up there, you know, Scott Pye was, um, you know, making an impression, uh, serious impression at last. But, I mean, the most consistent guy and the guy who's probably looking like, um, you know, he should be uh, considered for the main game, if not next year, you know, maybe the year after, is Scott McLaughlin. Mm. And he he also has money. Mm. Peter? Uh, yes, I, I think that um, the, the economic realities of the sport, it may, uh, it may come into to effect when a team is thinking, do we invest in youth and uh, you know, foster the talent and uh, take a chance versus someone that's going to be a bit slower, but they've got plenty of money. And it's a classic trade-off. Many teams... Uh, uh, take one approach versus another uh, and that's just the way they do business I think the economic realities may find that um, you know, a few of the, the, the second tier uh, drivers in terms of ability but do have a checkbook you know, they'll make the step up into the main game where some of the talents just uh, won't get the opportunities for them mm. Now Peter uh, Craig sorry just quickly Yep. a pretty good indication of what we're talking about is the fact that Charlie Schwerkolt, who's got a plum drive going next year. Unfortunately, there are no big-name drivers coming out of contract, so he's got got to look lower down the strata. Uh, I'll tell you, he's not rushing to sign up a Dunlop Series driver. No. Big problem for him. I... And he's had the world and his wife on his door offering you know, their ability, their personality, and their money. He's not convinced. Mm. It, it is interesting, isn't it? Because um, you also have Jack Villeneuve sitting in the wings saying openly that, yeah, if something can happen, he'd he'd be happy to uh, move the family down here. And then you have uh, a lot of rumours this weekend, just like you were chasing AMG ones. A lot of people were chasing the Christian Clean rumours that are going around as uh, a potential super cheap auto driver in the future. And and, uh, well, that's going to be interesting. Guys, I need to move on here. This is the uh, final question, but uh, the Austin race. Peter, they sent Frosty over a month ago to launch that event, and it's still not done. I'm, I'm keen to book some tickets, uh, particularly if it's going to be in the merry old month of May. Uh, tie that uh, in with a trip to go to uh, the, uh, the famous Brickyard at the end of May. Um, I'm itching to... Uh, to you know, start to save my pennies and, and book some wonderful travel there and I'm a little bit nervous that we keep not hearing the, the, the date. Uh, my question to your question is, what's going on? I can tell you exactly when it will be. <laughs> you can? Got your calendar out? Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Circle the weekend of May 17 and 18. What about the... Guaranteed. What Same a... weekend as the NASCAR All-Stars at Charlotte, and that's not by coincidence either. And what a... That's on the Saturday night. What about the uh, the issues with only having one race over there? That seems to be a, a, a thorn in the side of many a V8 supercar team up and down pit lane. Um, many things are thorns in the sides of V8 teams. What else is new? I mean, I'm sure V8 Supercars is looking at the possibility or the likelihood of twinning it with another event in North America. There was some 
you know, flurry of rumours about Mexico City, the track there joining in to be twinned with Texas a couple of months ago while I was away. Um, so, you know, I'm sure they're looking at it. But the, the delay in announcing the date and the format has nothing to do with going there or when it is. It is, as I understand it, and it's a bit complicated and convoluted, but essentially it is the Circuit of the Americas organisers uh, trying to get an extra million dollars or so funding from the local authorities. And that funding would be for, or under the guise of planning purposes. So to create the illusion or, you know, to conform with the process of getting it, it has to be seen, this is what I'm being told, that the event is still in the planning stages. So until that funding um, comes through, well, they hope comes through, they're holding off on announcing the date and the format because that would say, well, you know, not much to plan, we're all set to go. <laughs> um, so creating that illusion, if you like, that things are still being organised, they're seeking this million dollars in planning funding and holding off until that comes through or is rejected before they announce the dates. And, and you know, it's been a movable feast. I mean, it was originally going to be announced, you know, about the time Frosty was over there and then a few weeks later... When I last checked, it was going to be announced at the end of July. Still nothing, and, um, you know, it's not imminent. So it's it's nothing ominous. It doesn't mean there's any doubt, as far as I, I understand, that the format and the dates have been decided. Um, they're just holding off on the official announcement. And anyway, there are big delays on announcing the rest of the calendar anyway, so one more delay won't really matter. But as I say, put it in the bank, the weekend of Saturday the 17th of May and Sunday, the 18th of May, 2013. That's when we'll be in Texas. Well, actually, the 16th, the Friday, really, technically speaking. But you can book your flights now, Pete. And Peter. get the passport renewed. <laughs> Guys, it's a pleasure to catch up with you both on the V8 Insiders, folks. Look forward to uh, catching up with your work in, of course, Auto Action and, of course, Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Less regularly, though in those papers than it is in auto action every week auto action's where it's at mm. and of course Thanks, to you Peter Norton the white flag lap is up next we find out about social media and V8 supercars after the break you've taken the V8 to the races you watch the action on TV now read about them in V8X magazine V8X magazine dedicated to just one thing V8 supercars Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we look into the psyche of the V8 supercar drivers after hearing all week how the Australian Olympic swimmers have been psyched out by social media... V8 Insiders thought they'd speak to a number of the drivers to see how they handle the social media pressure. We spoke with Craig Lowndes, Mark Winterbottom, Tony D'Alberto, Paul Morris, Scott McLaughlin and Jack Villeneuve. It's a very amazing thing and I think you've got to be... Uh, it can waste a lot of time, you know. So, um, But it's, it's great to react with people and uh, you see something cool or want to put a picture up or... Or do something. I'm, I'm not a Twitterer, but I, I do enjoy the Facebook. Um, allows me to see what not only my friends and family are doing, but you know, stay in touch with the people that love racing. Oh, I'm not as big a superstar as some of those swimmers, but uh, 
Yeah, certainly. Sometimes you're very, uh, well, I suppose when you're on Twitter and Facebook and that, you're, you're very accessible and people certainly don't hold back uh, their comments. Uh, sometimes justified, sometimes not, and depends on what team they're, you know, uh, supporting. You know, you just got to, uh, I suppose, you know, sometimes maybe take it on board and other times just ignore it. Do I read every message, but, uh, you know, after Friday I actually copped a few uh, messages saying, that it, it, you know, that, that it wasn't going to happen, but obviously there were a few holding supporters too at the same time. But um, you know, the, the fans and the support you get's massive, and um, the way social media is, it's uh, you know, it's so important because it's a way that people tell you they're supporting you. And um, you know, I think Facebook, I got over twenty thousand fans, so it's it's a lot of support, and it's great to read them all. You know, good or bad, you uh, you have to read them. But um, you know, some of the Olympians have copped a fair bit of sla- uh, you know, I'm. I'm it's quite disappointing at some of the things they've copped, I think, but, um, you know, you, you try and support them as well. I know a couple of them who you see how hard they train and people probably don't see that side of it sometimes. So, um, But, you know, most of the people are supportive and it's, it's a good thing. Oh, I just get a lot of good lucks. And I think actually um, through that, you, know, you actually do reconnect with a lot of the people that you went to school with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually I had a, uh, a tweet this morning from a guy that uh, I work with in Formula 3000 days in Europe because I was tweeting about how cold it was this morning and he tweeted, uh, he, he reminded me about how cold it was in Graz in Austria at the time we were over there. So it's good to catch up with, uh, you know, old people um, and everything else. As a young driver trying to step up in the series, does McLaughlin feel any pressure? Well, I've got a fan page and I've got a personal page, so anyone I don't know, I, I put on my fan page just to be on the safety thing. It's not that I don't, you know, enjoy having uh, get people seeing my personal life, then that way they can see my personal life and, and my fan page. So, yeah, you've got to watch out what you say, and you've got to be a little bit more um, political, you could say. But, it's uh, yeah, I, I try and say what I want, but, I, you know, you can't really. <laughs> Have the drivers been instructed on what's acceptable or not? Don't get told what to say on it because... It's, it's a waste of time having your own page if someone else is telling you what to say. But, uh, you know, you, you, I just try and tell the truth. I'm not, I'm not negative. I am um, try and be positive about most situations. But, um, you know, if the car's not good, you don't sugarcoat it. Or, or if I'm not driving good, I made a mistake. you just got to be honest, and people appreciate that. And, um, you know, you can never get caught out by, um, you know, if you're honest, you can never get caught out. So, um, you know, the team's really supportive. They obviously... Uh, have their own social media and push it really hard as well so um yeah honesty is the key and just try and be honest and that's uh, that's worked well so far uh no we've we've um been educated a little bit from vet supercars about how to use it better um and how to get a little bit more out of it um uh, but not really you know you can't do this you can't do that blah blah but obviously they don't uh like it if you um you know uh bag the sport um, certainly they're, they're happy if we're bagging each other because it's, uh, you know, exciting and creates a bit of interest. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the footballs, the footballs are very heavily scrutinised, you know, and uh, some of the stuff that we put on sometimes probably goes under the radar a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you just got to be smart about it sometimes because, some, you know, some um, supporters will test the, test the boundaries and they just don't care because, they you know, you're not having a conversation with someone face-to-face, you're, you know, over a phone and they don't know who you are or, you know, so they can say what they want. It's sort of, you know, we, I like to call them armchair critics a little bit because, you know, obviously situations are a lot different from inside the car than the outside and, 
you know, who you're biased towards. Yeah, so like this year, I said a few things about my my future, and I got a people a few people off guard, and they already started writing stories where I was going, if I was going to GRM, if I was going anywhere. So I've just got to calm down with that sort of stuff. But apart from that, um, I've, I've been pretty good lately. I've been a good boy. So what about the most famous man in the V8 paddock, the former Formula One champ, Jacques Villeneuve? Well, I'm, I'm not on the social, social media. I'm, I'm against it because uh, it's just getting out of control and, and mainly because people don't realise what they're putting out there. <laughs> they're putting sometimes a lot of private stuff and then they, they, they get the sack for it and they don't, they don't understand why. And I don't know, you just, just wouldn't go out there and, and start shouting to everyone what you're out and up and about, but that's what's happening with the social media. So I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan. I find it very, very dangerous, and I'd rather speak with a journalist than just write some stuff on the, you know, on the social media. It's interesting because in America uh, it has become uh, such a huge phenomenon, and NASCAR drivers particularly and IndyCar drivers are using it uh, for all different ends, and I guess they're trying to use it as a, a way of building profile as a former Formula well, 1 champion. Just, just what you said, you know, they're, they're trying to use it to build a profile means that it cannot be real, it, it must be fake. You know, it's, it's, a lot, it's a big thought process of what you should be saying to make sure you get a bunch of fans uh, and not really just be yourself and be truthful. So I'm, that, that's why I stay away from that. Probably is, you know, I'm not on it to make friends and, you know, I only really befriend the people that I know personally. So to me it's more a personal thing, just letting people that I know... Yeah, see what we're doing. Uh, boost their profile, so um, it's you know it's a good thing. The higher the profile, the the better it is. So um, you know the way the social media is, it's it's a big thing for our sport, and uh, it's continuing to grow. And that's I think it's healthy. I think it helps helps you more than hinders you. So with drivers being able to show some personality on Twitter and also Facebook, who do the drivers like to follow? I, I like uh, you know old Rusty. Russell Engel, he's uh, quite dry with his sense of humour and you know, a lot of us race drivers talk about how much fitness training we're doing and you know, uh, he, uh, he definitely takes the piss out of us and says, you know, I just, just did a thousand kilometre ride and I'm about to smash ten lattes and you know, he really does take the piss so that's a bit, that's fun, you know, it's um, because some of the drivers take it very seriously and tell, have to tell the world every time they go to the gym and you know, believe it or not, you don't have to tell everyone <laughs> all the time. So, uh, yeah, he, he's a good sport. David Reynolds is probably the funniest guy I've seen. Um, as well as uh, somebody's doing Larko's whiteboard, I think, on Twitter. Um, this is quite funny. But the worst thing, I don't know. I don't. I, I honestly don't know what the worst thing is. But I know there's a lot of things, funny things, come out of David Reynolds' mouth. No, no one does anything cool here. <laughs> probably me. <laughs> But uh, no, I've got friends in America and that they get on it. Like Tony Stewart's Facebook site's pretty cool. Uh, like if you follow that and see the amount of different cars he drives, you know, he, he's a real race driver and these blokes just aren't race drivers compared to him. That's all for another week here on the V8 Insiders. My thanks to Fogues and Peter Norton. As the checker flag waves over another edition, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.